For whatever reasons, Ray, call it fate, call it luck, call it karma. I believe that everything happens for a reason. This is it. This is definitely it. p.m., the main branch of the New York Public Library on Fifth Avenue, 10 people witnessed a free-floating, full-torso vaporous apparition. It blew books off shelves from 20 feet away and scared the socks off some poor librarian. That's right, boys. It's Dr. Venkman. I find her interesting because she's a client and because she sleeps above her covers. Four feet above her covers. She barks, she drools, she claws. Ghostbusters, what do you want? Your girlfriend lives in the corner penthouse of Spook Central. Show this prehistoric bitch how we do things downtown. Or you could accept the fact that this city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. What do you mean, biblical? Fire and brimstone coming down from the sky. Rivers and seas boiling. 40 years of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes, the dead rising from the grave. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. We'll cross the streams. Excuse me, Egon. You said crossing the streams was bad. Cross the streams. I'm excited to be a part of it. Let's do it. See you on the other side, Ray. You know, probably like uh, blew up their mind, so just cave in over it or something. And obviously, we know like the great uh, Hild Ramis is uh has passed away right but i think that they they probably justified it somehow like he passed away in the uh in the you know between this the the old stuff and the new stuff you know you know what they'll say happened to egon he finally got that drill into his head (laughs) you know what i was thinking on that too is because remember he said i mean all respect to harold ramies but i'm talking about the character of egon you know, in the first movie when he was like, you know, Egon, this reminds me of that yeah. time when you you tried to drill a hole in your head. That would have worked if you would have if you would have let me. You know, finish. that was all lib too. Probably no, it, was it? Yeah, yeah, it was stated that that was all out lib, but it, it was hilarious. But you know, that's probably yeah. why he died. No, I think it was because he looked in the box. Remember, because Dan Acker characters. Yeah, like, he said, don't, don't look in the box. Don't he look said, at the trap. Uh, what did he say, Ray? I looked at the trap. <laughs> yeah. So so watch watch we go watch the new movie and it's like that little minor minor little fact right there it caused him to something. die at an early age or something you know in seeing that he saw the ethereal plane now do you think it's almost doomed the, at the that children point. 
of the secretary and I don't know she's in it though yeah I know because what's her name's in it so how do you know they didn't have to like I don't know the way she says it um she she has a conversation with the mom mm-hmm. in the trailer and she says you know your father he blah 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 right but she said your father instead of your dad or whatever I don't know I I assume that you know because obviously she was in love with him for both movies yeah even though she kind of had a thing with what's his name in the second one but and which probably pretty much uh, make her off bounds you know yeah. out of bounds there yeah at that she point. she goes for the nerds you know nerds and glasses and everything Janine. But yeah, it was it was I don't know. It could be. I maybe they won't even address it. Uh, well, I mean they're they're probably gonna have to. They're gonna have to. The the mother's there, and then Janine's there as well, with her gray hair instead of her red hair. Yeah, and if they if they leave, you know, don't don't give some dedication to the older films. It's just gonna be like another one of those movies that had the same title, but that really wasn't this kind of movie. Wait, if they do what? If they if they don't give enough to the fan service, I think. Uh-huh. Then they're going to have another one of these uh, movies that has the name Ghostbusters, but it's not really a Ghostbusters movie. Um, I don't know. I, I just, you know, he had a cameo. Bill Murray had a cameo as a disbelieving, uh, you know, a yeah. uh, debunker and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it just, it, it wasn't Ghostbusters. And no, that's what we're going to talk about yeah. in this in, in yep. this show is, is what makes Ghostbusters Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, it was it was you know the the cast did great. You know, Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. You know, and uh, all all the all the actors mm-hmm. there. They they uh, are hilarious. Yeah. Uh, Chris Hemsworth was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> he like stole the movie. I know. Um, just because he's playing against type and everything, but uh, it was great. It was it was funny. Uh, you know, it had all those funny parts, but you know, it was just trying too hard. And you see, oh, okay, we're making points and stuff like that. And you know, you have uh-huh. certain trigger language in that movie and everything. So they're making their points. It's fine, whatever. It, it was a uh, a terrible movie um, altogether. It had nothing to do with girls versus guys or whatever. It just was not a good movie. Mm-hmm. Crazy with the CGI. It was a little much. It was. I mean. <laughs> And, you know, it was like, it did the opposite of what these Ghostbusters, you know, the original Ghostbusters did. You know, the original ones wanted to have more of an adult um, feel to it and more of an adult movie. But then the, when they showed it to, you know, parents with kids and stuff, they were like, no, the, my kid would love this if it was toned down a little bit. You know, and so that's what, you know, Reitman ended up doing. He changed it from being more of an adult Ghostbusters to kind of more of a kid friendly with a little bit of spookiness in there you know where what they tried to do is you know they went the opposite direction well i mean yeah the original story had some stuff like different dimensions and dark dimensions and and, you know but still it was a little bit more like purgatory and back and everything it was it was weird yeah but i just felt probably it was those opposite directions yeah probably those storylines were actually uh explored in the cartoon because I remember storylines like that happening or whatever. But, I mean, what... It's another show that I love the cartoon from it. Yeah, the cartoon yeah. was great. Uh, they The voices were hilarious. Oh, yeah. And everything. But, but, I mean, you know, it's like you got the right kind of voice actors to, to play them. You know, like yeah. the guy that sounded like, not like Bill Murray, but... He had the way of speaking. He sounded you know, like he, Garfield because yeah. Bill Murray well, is I Garfield. I know. I mean, well, in the redos, <laughs> but you know, back in the day, it wasn't Bill Murray. No, but I, what I mean by that, I mean just he he has a Garfield voice where it's a voice of somebody yeah. who just is apathetic, doesn't really yeah. care about what's going on, sarcastic. Yeah, d- yeah. 
Um, but what makes Ghostbusters great? What separates it from all the kids' movies we watch when we were younger? It's what really introduced me to, you know, the love of New York City. You know yeah. what I mean? In a movie. It's what really introduced me into, you know, this is New York City. Because, I mean, this is probably one of the oldest movies that I watched when I was a kid that actually featured New York in it. New York was a... Uh, character like a side character but no still a character hey, in we the laugh film. we laugh because you say that a lot right yeah, we yeah. always say oh, okay you always say this is a character that is a character as i was doing research i was laughing because dan Aykroyd did actually mention the city is a character in this and it's it's funny because it's kind of you know dan Aykroyd is the one that that really wrote this and everything yeah um, obviously, it was rewritten and made into what it is by Harold Ramis, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> Dan Aykroyd came up with the idea and everything, and and to base it in New York and to have you know film it in New York mm-hmm. and have New York be such a big character. So it's almost like you can't have Ghostbusters without New York. Yeah, and so we'll, so we'll see if the farmhouse one is any better or whatever. But he said the same thing. You know, it's a, it's a character. Yeah, yeah, and and, and that's and what he's it, a Canadian. I know, I know. <laughs> but you know that that's that's the feel. It's like. New York's kind of a, you know, it's 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 a very popular city, you know, in the world, throughout the world, you know, not just here in the States, but, it, you know, in the whole world. And the two very, biggest representatives in that movie of New York yeah. is Bill Murray's uh, Venkman mm-hmm. and uh, Dan Aykroyd's uh, uh, Stance, yeah. Ray, and, uh, you know, one's a Canadian, the other's from Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. But there, I mean, you, you've, I mean, that, that just is a testament to their acting. And everything. Oh, absolutely. But, but I mean, you know, having this, be, this New York City feel, it's again, it's the first one that actually felt like it did that for you. You know what I mean? In a way, like, what do you mean the first one? Well, out of kids' movies? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's like the first movie that I watched, you know, when I was that young age that I really kind of introduced you. I mean, there was Home Alone, two stuff, you know, like Ninja stuff Turtles. like that. Yeah, Ninja Turtles. Yeah. You know, but Home Alone wasn't until the late 90s. This, yeah. this came out in 84. But with Ninja Turtles, you kind of understood that it was. It was New York, but Not it was late 90s, but yeah, early 90s, yeah. I meant. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you had Home Alone, which you like, but that didn't come out to the 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Die Hard, well, no, Die Hard was to LA, mm-hmm. but he was New York cop or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there was Ninja Turtles back in the 80s. Yeah. That was a big one, but I think that, well, that this even was, came out after. Yeah, yeah, this because Ghostbusters was in 84, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. So um, you would have been, what, three? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I didn't watch it when I was three. I mean, you I might was probably, have. Maybe yeah. it was on HBO. Uh, maybe, you know. yeah parents were just like yeah whatever back then you know <laughs> it wasn't Hit like the record button yeah it wasn't like is this barney's <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know you can't watch it unless yeah. it's a purple dinosaur but no it's just the introduction new york was the biggest part for me and then just the fact that you know you got to see the different cultures of people in the city you know because it did it did a vast range you know i mean it was different cultures you know and that's what new york's all about yeah you know? so that over the special effects and the ghost oh, yeah, busting and yeah. everything so but all that aside, you, you would say that that New York is your favorite mm-hmm. part of this. Yeah, my my thing is this is what makes Ghostbusters great and and <clears throat> so hard to create or recreate or things that you haven't seen when you were kids because you know when you're kids you're either watching kids as heroes, yeah, or you're watching obviously adults as heroes, yeah. right? When it's kids as heroes, 
they're just kids. Mm-hmm. When it's adults as heroes, they're um, they're glossy, unattainable. They're glossy. They're good looking. They're mm-hmm. attractive. They have heroic moments. They're slow mo. There's feats of strength, feats of speed, feats of skill. The, the, different the things explosion like walkaways. Right, yeah. right, right. Uh, you know, badasses or people that eventually turn into badasses. Look at these leads. They're absolutely normal. They're schlubby. They're overweight. They're out of shape. Um, they got receding hairlines. You know, uh, they look like crap when they're doing their work and everything. They come back and they got slime and cigarettes hanging out of their mouth and everything. They're not doing any fancy slow mo heroic stuff or whatever. And by the end, they're just scared scientists. Or even throughout the whole thing, yeah. they're they're scared scientists that are in way over their head. Now you have Venkman. <clears throat> Who it should be unlikable. Mm-hmm. I think if anybody played Venkman besides Bill Murray, he it would not work because he is an unlikable guy mm-hmm. and he doesn't really have much development. No. He does a bit. He has a bit of development where, you know, in the beginning it's just all about the women and the fame and all that yeah. kind of stuff, where he actually grew to care about Dana. Mm-hmm. And was willing to put himself into harm's way yeah. to help her and everything. He, he's what I would classify as. But nobody else w- yeah. would pull that off because yeah. Bill Murray's so oh, likable absolutely. and he's got a little bit, a bit of comedic. He can be an ass. He can be a narcissist. He can yeah. do all these things and still get away with it because he's got a little charm and a little playfulness or little comments afterwards or little sly grins where you're just like, okay, maybe he's not completely serious. Maybe this is like maybe a, like a defense mechanism. But, you know, with Bill Murray back then, you know, Dan Aykroyd, no, Dan Aykroyd, he, he kind of, he can go into that kind of role, though. I've, I've seen him do it in a lot of his movies where he can, you know, he's, he's an, you know, a, a dick, basically, but he's a kind of a lovable kind Especially of type of character. But trouble. Yeah. But yeah, he, he's, or, he's a good everyman. Yeah. Like a good mm-hmm. blue collar worker, everyman. Yeah. Um, but he has the flair and the skill of a performer because he talks real fast. He's yeah. got a very unique, likable radio type voice. Yep. Um, and he's almost like the matchbox car yeah. guy when he talks real fast. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he always does that. He's got such a recognizable voice and everything. But, but yeah, I mean, he's not like yeah. none of these people. Like I think Winston is probably the most. Um, heroic looking one yeah i guess mm-hmm. you would say and, and we're talking about traditional standards here or whatever yeah. traditional action movie standards of the 80s and right. 90s and everything but but it's know. funny because you can see in the commercial right that him dan Aykroyd and bill murray and then harold ramus uh were in that commercial for ghostbusters right, right? and you saw their different type of per- personalities and i feel like in a way it was like their natural personality of oh yeah you know, it, it, real personality yeah. like like you see you know dan Aykroyd just the fast speaking and very clear concise words yeah uh knows exactly what he's gonna say throughout the thing he's a very good no, speaker and, and very good speaker and he does put emotion into it yeah you know but then you have like bill murray who's sarcastic off the fly kind of ad-libbing jokes here and yeah. there is kind of funny about it and then a lot of facial expressions too right things that you don't put up uh, or you don't catch on unless you're like staring at his character and watching yeah. every single thing he does yeah. instead of the scene as a whole. You you want do you want to do the introduction before we get into this? I was, about, this? I, no, I was <laughs> yeah. gonna let you finish what you were yeah. saying. But no, I mean, you, and then you see Har- Harold Ramis, and then you saw him in what Forty um, uh, Year Old Virgin, not Forty Year Old Virgin, uh, Knocked Up. Harold Ramis is mm-hmm. in that film. Good he plays, Seth, 
Yeah. Doesn't and, he play a doctor in that? Well, no, he's Seth Rogen's Oh, dad. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and he just kind of just cool, calm. Well, not only that, but, I mean, in Stripes back in the yeah. back when and during this time, you know, you had Stripes and uh, did he have a role in Caddyshack? I know he directed yeah. Caddyshack. Uh, now, yeah, let, let, let me intro this real quick. Uh, yeah, today we're ahead. talking about Ghostbusters, obviously. Um, the Ridge. Um, this movie came out in 1984. It was directed by Ivan Reitman. It was written by Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, and uh, Rick Moranis, who was uncredited in the writing. But he did. The, the reason that he was uncredited, I believe, is that they just let Rick Moranis do him. You know, they let him write his own stuff because, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, we always saw him as a side character, but he is a very hugely comedic mm-hmm. actor. One of these ones that the other actors have more respect for than anybody else mm-hmm. because when you look at all the behind the scenes stuff and info about this people are always talking about rick moranis They're like oh we're so glad we got him yeah. we just let him go you know yeah. and you know sigourney was talking about it and everything he just so. just his i mean the he, you know when he'd get on stage right he could be a totally different person than you know but but you know still like a core okay you got your core core character right mm-hmm but he always seemed to tweak it a little bit in each thing he did. Yeah. But it was always always like the same kind of core type character in all his films. You know, I mean, you get you get like you know, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and stuff. It's mm-hmm. still still just a little bit off of the type of acting he did for Ghostbusters and you know so on and so forth. He's just such a phenomenal actor. Yeah. And and he's a genius. And people don't know that because he just dropped. The game, you know, when when he had to take care of his family, yeah, when his wife you know, passed away, when his wife passed away, he he said, okay, let's see, my family or my job, my career, I think I'll go with my family. Yeah, you know, props to that guy. I mean, you know? like that being said, he he had plenty of money to retire. Oh yeah, but he, you know that in knowing who he is and the type of person he is, it wouldn't matter if he was, you know, completely broke just starting out as an actor or whatever. He would have done the same thing. Yeah. I need to spend more time with my family. Um. Mm-hmm. This movie stars Bill Murray as Dr. Peter Venkman, uh, Dan Aykroyd as Dr. Raymond Stance, uh, Sigourney Weaver as Dana Barrett, uh, Harold Ramis as Dr. Egon Spangler, Rick Moranis as Louis Tully, Annie uh, Annie Potts as Janine Melnitz. Uh, It also stars uh, William Atherton as as Pecker, (laughs) as Walter Peck, Uh, Ernie Hudson as Winston Zeddemore, David Margulies, Stephen Tash, uh, Jennifer Runyon and Alice Drummond as the librarian who has always been like cemented in my head mm-hmm. just as part as my child as part of my childhood because she's the first person you see yeah, the, the first person starts. you see the first person that's attacked in any Ghostbusters movie and kids of our age or people of our age Ghostbusters is basically one of the main things oh, yeah. as Stranger Things shows and all yep. these retro 80s yep. things I mean, Ghostbusters was it for the kids. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think I ever knew a kid that didn't like Ghostbusters. No, so. I couldn't tell you. I mean, because it was just a cool new thing. You know, no, who would have thought, you know, of people that just, you know, go around catching ghosts. And now, now you've got... And not even an action, not even an action hero type of way, uh -uh. in just an exterminator type of way. Oh yeah, that's all they are. They got these crappy little jumpsuits, Mm -hmm. and all they and you know he makes a joke about it at the beginning. It you know it's like what are you guys spacemen or something? He's like no, we're exterminators. You know, huge cockroach was seen up on (laughs) on on twenty two, 
And he's like, it must be some cockroach. He's like, bite your head off, man. <laughs> you know, and so, I mean, they look like exterminators. Yeah. It, it's not flashy and not, and not. So I think kids thought, I could grow up and do that. I just mm-hmm. got to learn a little about, uh, you know, about uh, science. I'll be good to go. You know, different and, things and, and like you that. You don't really ever hear anybody, you know, come back on Ghostbusters and say, you know, I mean, does it have corny parts in the movie? Yes. That's a fact. You know what I mean? There's some corny stuff that doesn't really, you know, it's a little too far for me, you know. But it, even with that, you know, there's not anybody out there that really just hates Ghostbusters. Like, that does not enjoy the movie. Yeah, that watched it and was like, that's a garbage movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Or even that it was boring. And that, since the 80s. You know what I mean? I mean, you, you don't ever really hear anybody putting down on on a uh a movie like this right. where nowadays if you know you release something like that they're gonna say wow that's a little bit ridiculous you know at that point but at this time it was just it was just kind of like a little kick of cgi that people had been looking for in movies yeah you know and they really wanted i mean they get some of it through you know indiana jones and and, and certain movies like that it's just too. one of those universal everybody loves it movies right right <clears throat> whether it's uh what are some ones? I mean, Star Wars. That's Indiana that's Jones. Indiana Jones. There's some people I know that probably don't like that because they think you know treasure hunting is boring or whatever. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, yeah. I mean, most people like Indiana Jones. Pretty much most people like Star Wars, except for you know people that are just like nah, sci-fi. Ninja Turtles. Me. I think uh, Ninja Turtles. Or, I mean, but Ghostbusters. I mean, that is definitely one yeah. where I have never heard anybody say anything bad about yeah. Ghostbusters. This one. Yeah. Or part two. You know, part two's a little less liked. I will say from the start that I had, I acknowledged that Ghostbusters, this first one we're talking about, mm-hmm. is superior to all the ones so far. Yeah. Um, my personal favorite, though, is, is part, part two. two. My, I, I'm right okay. there with you on that one. Okay. Maybe I, I, that was because we were a little older when that one came out and we could enjoy it better. I think um, I think it, it was, was just got a little a hint of dark, darker with it like they they went darker it was a little scarier yeah yeah but it also had more it was also looked looked better a little bit uh you know special effects and everything looked better and and i like the fact that they like in the second one they kind of the the main uh antagonist in the second one you know they they gave more of a backstory for and we actually saw him throughout the movie right right where in the first one the bag was was just there's no I'm, another one that came around. All it is is Bill Murray's character coming out and saying, you know, telling a short little story, story of research they did on Zool. You know what I mean? And you see that part of it. But it's like, like it's building up, but it doesn't concentrate it, it, on it that. It doesn't. It doesn't. As I kind of want to hear a little bit more of the yeah. history of it. I mean, not not. I know it's all nonsense, anyways. But I would like to hear a lot more story. Where in the second one, you did get to hear about the villains' backstory. It, it a amped lot it more. up to where you were a little. And we'll get, we can get more yeah, into yeah, that. We'll but. The uh, this one, what I uh, what I do like about it is that it had little hints here and there, and it was slowly building in the background, but it wasn't focused on it. <clears throat> I probably would have liked a little bit more focus, but I still liked the fact that it was kind of just another one. It kind of added to the thing that this was another case for them, you know, yeah. uh, in their in their mundane life. Now this has gone beyond the mundane now because mm-hmm. now you know all hell is like literally yeah. breaking loose and everything, but. Well, you know, and I was trying to, every time I usually watch movies like this, you know, I try to keep up with the timeline, you know what I mean? And like from one period to another, you know, and, and to see if it's, they're just dragging the story along or they're trying to speed it up, whichever way. But with this one, like I gauged the time period was when he, uh, Morales' character, 
uh, said to Scorny Weaver, "Hey, we're having a party at my house on this day. What, what was it like? A, like next Friday or something? Mm-hmm. You know." So that's where I was able to base the time period between, you know, how successful they when they started to you know at the time period right before they're hated again. You know what I mean? Or or, or arrested and whatnot. Yeah, because and there's another one with Winston um, because. Um, by the end of the movie, uh, when they're in the mayor's office saying, you know, to get the pet guy out of there, yeah. the EPA guy or whatever, yeah. um, he goes, I've been working with these guys for a couple of weeks. Yeah. So remember when he got hired about yeah. halfway through the movie, yeah. you know, he doesn't come in until halfway through uh-huh. the movie. That's only been a week or two. Yeah. And that was basically. Because the par- from the party when he invited her, which was right at the beginning of the movie, to like halfway or three almost three quarters of the way through the movie is that's when you know uh morales's character became now the, we we the have key master yeah and you know we have less of a sense of time from the beginning of the movie to there though because yeah um before winston got hired you know there was a montage of mm-hmm. the ghostbusters just doing stuff in the city yeah. you know yeah. catching ghosts and everything uh busting ghosts yeah um, cause Bustin makes them feel good. <laughs> and, uh, so they were, they were out there doing that stuff, but they, you know, Dana's thing was at the beginning, you know, it was yeah. only like, um, what was it? Okay. So the, from the beginning, we don't I'm know. I'm glad I'm not the only one that, that noticed. Yeah. This. The time frame was, was a little weird at the beginning because, uh, when, from the time they got fired to when they got the, uh, he took a third mortgage on his house. You know, yeah. how long was that? Yeah. And from how long was that until they got the, until Dana's thing, you know, because yeah. then Dana came the same day. Right, right, Because right. her groceries are still out on the yeah. counter to the Ghostbusters when she saw that commercial. So, uh-huh. yeah, timing, I don't know. It, I, I'm assuming from the very beginning of the movie to where Winston comes, uh, it's been about a month or two. Yeah. I imagine. Yeah. You know, they probably got fame real quick and everything. Um and then it was a week or two after that, so maybe th- no more than three months worth yeah. of worth of time. That's what I have always. Just yeah, assumed. but it all it's it. I'm glad I'm not the only one that noticed that though. That it was just the timing seemed off in this film. Yeah, I think when I was younger, I assumed that it was oh, like yeah, half a year to a year. And when you're younger, you don't really care. I mean, that's yeah. not something that you just make a big deal no, about. No, just something you know? that you have kind of in yeah. the back of your head or whatever. But. Um, yeah, so this movie was written by Dan Aykroyd. Now, Dan Aykroyd, he had uh, a grandfather who was a dentist but also a psychic. Uh-huh. And so he would have seances and regular regular talks and all this kind of stuff. Um, uh, you could talk about whether you believe in ghosts or not. I'm not going to address it. Uh, it's just not a huge important thing yeah. to me. For the movie's sake, you know, it's a, it's a fun thing, you know. Yeah, I – yeah, I just – I'll leave that one alone. <laughs> uh, but Dan Aykroyd believes in it. He uh, he is very into the occult. He uh, he talks on many videos. You can go YouTube and find them um, about all the experiences he has. He's had in his life with paranormal experiences, what his parents have seen, his grandparents have seen, other people. He sold famous houses that he thought ghosts were in, and you know he had the house that Mama Cass had and sold it to. I can't remember the actress's name. Well, I mean, I would know her, was but pop, I just can't was remember. Was it Cass? <laughs> no, I can't remember which actress it was. It might pop into my head, but, you know, there was supposed, supposedly some haunting in that house, which she's talked about and everything. But <clears throat> anyways, he's a believer. He's been asked about others. He's like, you know, Bill Murray's an Irishman, you know, so Probably he has it. to believe. Yeah. You know, that type of thing. Uh, Harold Ramey's, he is the one he did say he was straight up, non-believing, agnostic, 
had no belief whatsoever in ghosts and everything, but thought it was a fun concept and everything. Yeah. So uh, Ernie Hudson as Winston, maybe, I don't know, Sigourney, who knows. But as far as those those core those core people, you know, he's talking about how, you know, he believes he feels that Bur- he's like, Bill knows the real, you know, that type of thing. Uh, and uh, he just said Harold Harold Ramius was the one, you know, agnostics like nah. <laughs> do you think? Do you think Dan Aykroyd? You know, you know, because you hear about Bill Murray being such a recluse, you know, and and how literally like nobody could actually contact. He doesn't him have for an parts. agent. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't have an agent. But basically, it's like he he has a PO box number and like. You know, like a, a voicemail that people can leave a voicemail and, then he and then he decide, checks. yeah, and decide whether or not he wants to answer. Do you think people like Dan Aykroyd probably has his personal phone number? Oh yeah, I'm I'm sure he does, but I'm sure he knows not to call him unless he really needs him for something. It's whatever. like calling in the cavalry. Don't call. The, yeah. Don't press this red button exactly. unless you want everything to explode. Which they probably wouldn't have worked together beyond Ghostbusters, so it would only be a Ghostbusters. But they're so song. good together, though. Like, those they two were, actors. They're I good mean, leads. They're, 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 you know, I consider those two the main leads. Yeah, but I, I mean, mean, Sigourney, of course. But You know, like, they're all, like, from Saturday Night Live fame, right. you know, and this is one of the first movies that did that. that and just, Dan Aykroyd was in very, very beginning of Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Bill Murray came in in season two, replaced yeah. Chevy Chase. Yeah. Well, but, Chevy Chase wasn't actually... Um, he was he in the was, first season. I, yeah, I know, I know. But what I'm saying is that if you look under his listing, he never wants to be as as an actual. Um, uh, an, he's not actually employed. He's he's a constant guest in that first host. season. Yes. Yeah, they call it, they, they he, host. He's him a constant host. Yeah. Right. Right. And so because he left and uh, had some drama, apparently. Uh, <laughs> He left, and he came back second season. Bill Murray was the new star of the show. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, oh gosh, Belushi. Yeah, John so Belushi. So, Belushi was, was he liked to cause trouble and drama yeah. on the Saturday Night Live set. And uh, there was one story that, that, you know, Howard Stern talked with, uh, with um, Chevy Chase about. Yeah. To how uh, uh, Belushi got Bill Murray worked up. Basically mm-hmm. said Chevy was talking all kinds of shit and all this kind of stuff. I mean, just got Belushi. No, Belushi was getting Bill Murray worked up. Oh, okay. And so Chevy, when he came, yeah. they had little comments to each other or whatever. And Chevy made a comment to Bill Murray, and Bill Murray ran across the room and just lunged at him. And Belushi quickly got in, in between the two of them, yeah. you know, and kind of admitted that yeah. he was starting the shit and everything. But, but like he had that. I think he even. He might have even thrown a punch too, but I mean, it was between them. And you'll see when Chevy's chased and Bill Murray's just kind of walking in the background. It kind of goes like that to the camera and then walks away. And, and, and see, in my personal opinion, those guys. I know people in our, you know, in generations behind us and ahead of us will, will definitely say different on this one. Mm-hmm. But in my idea, those guys are the kings of comedy. And Chevy they Chase, always, Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, uh, uh, John Belushi. You know, uh, John Candy. What about I mean, Richard Pryor and Richard George Pryor, Carlin. Absolutely. And, you know, those absolutely. People, yeah. Those guys were, they were before our time yeah. in a way, but in, still in my mind, those guys from that generation of Saturday Night Live, uh, even uh, What's-Her-Face? Um, Gilda Radner. Yes. Jane yes. Curtin. Yeah, both of them. Yeah. Both of them. You know, but I mean, those are the kings and queens of comedy, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, from Saturday Night Live, that was back when it was smart. And then throw, throw a little bit of Robin Williams in there, too. <laughs> a little Adam Sandler. Some Whoopi Goldberg back then. Yeah. I think Adam Sandler is your king of comedy, isn't he? 
Because isn't he like one of your favorites? Uh, yes, because he, you know, what's great with, with Adam Sandler, and I won't speak long on this, but what's great with Adam Sandler is that he's, he doesn't, it when he acts and he's doing his comedy and, 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 you know, live comedy and stuff, he doesn't actually try to be funny. It's just the way he talks normally in a way, you know what I mean? It's, it's like he, he's not trying, you know, to, to be funny. You know what I mean? Shampoo he just is funny. is better than conditioner. Yeah. yeah, but... Conditioner is better than... But, you know, I, I know people, including myself, that have done stupid things like that in, in my own personal time just because, I, you know, I'm just... Or when they sing that song, Wedding Singer. Yeah, yeah. But it all was full. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not... It doesn't seem like an, a, a comedian... And, and this kind of relates back to Ghostbuster, but, you know, a comedian... I feel like a comedian is a great comedian when they don't try to be funny. They just are. Yeah. You know, like Rob Williams, Bill Murray. Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, in fact, too. You know, I mean, and, and these guys, he's funny by like the way he, the way he says it, you know, how yeah. he, I was a quit talker like this, you know, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I can't even, I would never even try to do Dan Aykroyd just because he, you know, he's, he's so unique. Which is aid the Super Batomatic 77. You never have to use mortar, pestle, or cauldron again. Super Batomatic cuts, chops, slices, dices, mixes, and blends herbs, plants, twigs, sprigs, leaves, branches, claws, teeth, eyes, ears, skin, hair, blood, flies, insects, limbs, and organs of all kinds, toads, lizards, newts, mice, rats, and bats faster than you can knife a goat. But these are the act, these are my comments. Comedy guys. And that was a lot of people said about Belushi and yeah. Chris Farley. You That's know, just, just who, who they, they were. are. Yeah. yeah. And the same thing with Chevy Chase. You know, I mean, Chevy Chase, yeah. he's got some weird beliefs, but. Well, not but, even weird beliefs, but I mean, he just so. Pretty much everybody who's had an interaction with him in Hollywood has yeah. been like, well, yeah. Well, pretty I mean, much true what you hear and, about and, him. You know, he happens to be the star role of one of our favorite all time movies, even though it's a Christmas movie. Yeah. It's not our favorite, yeah. just our favorite Christmas movie, but it's one of our favorite movies with, yeah. you know, uh, National Lampoons. He'll Christmas even admit, I've seen interviews where he admits that he had a lot of EO at play back then and everything, but. Um, yeah, to get to into this, this one, <clears throat> when when uh, Harold or when uh, Dan Aykroyd wrote this, he wrote it with uh, Belushi, um, excuse me, uh, Belushi, Eddie Murphy, and John Candy in mind. So yeah. we got Belushi for the Vankman role uh -huh. that Bill Murray took. We have John Candy for the Egon role, which um, Harold Ramis took, and then uh, uh, Eddie Murphy for the Zetamore. Yeah. Uh, that's that's just what I've researched and found and everything. But uh, it was supposed to be like that. Um, John Candy was busy with some other things. Obviously, um, uh, Belushi had passed away, and Ed Murphy had a pretty good reason to to leave. What was his reason? The the reason that he left Ghostbusters last minute is to do Beverly Hills Cop. So I did so, hear that there might have been Beverly Hills Cop around that. Yeah. Time so what it was is instead of doing this Ghostbusters film, he ended up doing a movie that basically propelled him into the stratosphere of acting and acting roles. You know, I mean, you got to admit, Beverly Hills was probably his... his yeah, his it did come out thing. same year and, and, and everything. And yeah. Yeah, he, yeah probably um, and that's uh, why Axel Foley was a lot better than yeah. Winston Zeddemore for yeah. his career. Well, and, and even then, his role was written... He had a lot more features until Eddie pulled out. Mm -hmm. And then... Uh, and uh, uh, What's... Um, Ernie Hudson came in, mm -hmm. and and basically they 
limited his role. Like he was supposed to start at the very beginning. Yeah, and they wanted it to add to the feeling of just a normal workman's where you're just hiring somebody's applying or hire them. All right, yeah, like yeah. you're hired, get to work. Here, let me show you how to do this. You know, getting straight to work and everything. Yeah, and that, that was I think that was a big thing for Ernie Hudson. I don't know. I was reading that maybe people were saying that it was a big deal to him and maybe it really wasn't but he you know the fact that he had a lot because the original script he read was for eddie murphy before they made the changes and basically cut out his role a lot more because it wasn't eddie yeah you know what i mean and and that that might have been a smart decision as far as the script goes because you know maybe eddie could have pulled off this 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 acting and, and this stuff a lot better than Ernie Hudson could. Maybe it was more tailored for his his type of comedy. You know what I mean? Because Ernie Hudson's not really known as being a comedian, right? Where you got Eddie Murphy right. is literally known as being a comedian. So, yeah, uh, it, it. I think it was casted just perfectly. You wouldn't expect, especially with the type of movies that Bill Murray has done with over the last twenty years, yeah. that he would get involved with something like this. But he was just starting out. You know, everybody was. Just, he was doing Stripes. He was doing. You know, this one, uh, eventually he'd do a few more down the road in the 90s. You know, what about Bob? You know, mm-hmm. they're, 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 they're not the ones. But, we, you know, we were talking about how hard it is to reach out to Bill Murray. Apparently, um, Bill Murray has a set to where it's like an automatic yes every time Wes Anderson calls him. Oh, really? Yeah, like no matter what the role is, what it is, whenever Wes Anderson, you know, whether it's the, uh, the what's the hotel... Grand, Buda, uh, Grand Budapest uh, Hotel, right. Moonrise Kingdom, the Royal Tenenbaums, all those yeah. ones that he's in. I like the Royal Tenenbaums. I've never seen any of these. I actually liked it. I have never it seen any good. of these. Maybe we'll do a, a Wes Anderson month or something. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, he has an automatic yes to any role that Wes Anderson So I think that's like the filmmaker that he enjoys working with oh, yeah. most because it's quirky, it's it's oddball, and that's well, exactly I, what he I is. I kind of felt that, you know, especially after the first one, I think he probably was like, well, you know, anything that Dan Aykroyd... Because, I mean, I didn't ever hear any strife between Dan Aykroyd no, no, and no, Bill no. Murray. And so I kind of feel like, you know, like Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd, if they were to came came to him 20 years after this film and said, hey, you want to do this? He'd be like, yeah. Maybe, yeah. but they said it was hard to... Because they wanted... I think the studio wanted to do more. And yeah. he's been notoriously like, no, I'm not going to do it. And right. I think the only reason he did part two was because it was probably in the contract after they did part one where the studio yeah. said, here you go. You're signed on to do this movie. If it's successful, it's successful. The studio has the option of making a second one, which we you will be required to star in, yeah. which is usually how these contracts go. I mean, especially nowadays with Marvel movies and everything. Yeah. You're basically locked into maybe two or three movies, and yeah. then, you know you, you might you may do. And them, they say locked in. It's like, uh, oh, you're locked on in. the and studio you make Fifteen side. million dollars for nine movies each. Yeah. So you're making fifteen million every single nine movies. Oh, I'm so locked the, into this. The, oh man. No, but I mean, you do have probably people that like are done with it and don't want to do it anymore and get stuck in it and everything. So, yeah. um, but uh, let's go ahead and just get into it. Um, I'm going to ask you this at the beginning instead of the end, and then I'll ask you a different one at the end. Uh, but just because it's so part of our childhood, what's your favorite part of this movie? I got to say, probably when they're right before they're getting out of jail, and right when they get out of jail, basically, and then they go into the mayor's office and basically talk to Peck <laughs> and basically rub it in his face, and the fact that the mayor is like on their side. And the, I mean, I'm sorry, but the mayor was clueless anyways, you know, I yeah. mean, he probably shouldn't have been the mayor. Yeah. I mean, the guy really kind of was taking advice from 
Well, very well could have been possibly kooks, you know what I mean, for an event that they very well, well remember, could have created. It was all about the voters to him. He didn't care. Yeah, yeah. And and so that was kind of, a, he was more of a comical role in it, but yeah. it just made that scene where, you know, Peck was just like, you know, they were just shoving dog poop in his face at the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he had the attitude for yeah. whatever reason. I don't yeah. know, maybe it was a Reagan era thing. But, you know, he plays that EPA, role you know? so well. that Yeah, and he he, he uh, is actually said in his older uh, older years and everything, just like, I enjoy doing it. Yeah. He's like, you know, everybody, wants to, everybody wants to play a bad guy, right? Yeah. Now there's a bad guy and there's just like a snivelly little guy, but I yeah. mean if you, you it's kind of like in between. You got the yeah. bad guy and the good guy, and, and that, he plays that role right yeah. in between. Not necessarily a, a, a villain, yeah, but a hindrance yeah. and an annoyance. You know, whether it's Die, die Hard, hard yeah. Ghostbusters, you know, uh, Die Hard too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he always gets he he always gets. He never ever wins. Have you noticed yeah. that? Like in every film he plays in, he just he he he's comes in there and you automatically know when you see his face yeah. on the screen, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna pay for it later on. Yeah, you, you're gonna have egg He's in just your face. got that face. Yeah, you, you, know? you just see him like he's always got the trajectory. He's like, Oh, this is gonna work out amazing for me. And as an audience member, you go, Oh, it's that actor. Yeah, this yes. is not gonna work yeah. out good no, for you. No, just because you're that actor. Yes, <laughs> is something threefold bad is gonna happen so to you at the mayor's moment. office, basically. Yeah. I'd yeah. say basically from the time they got arrested and Dan Aykroyd was explaining about the building and everything to the rest of the ghosts, but they're inside the jail cell and everybody's listening from that point all the way to the end is my favorite. Yeah. I mean, I know that's kind of yeah. cheating us like that's three cheating. different scenes or four cheating. different scenes. I'd say the, the, the most exciting part is when, you know, mayor's like, you know, well, what do you want from me? And then it goes. not going to be Ray Parker's Ghostbusters. It's going to be Saving the Day by the yeah. Alesso brothers. Because whenever, uh, it's, it's like, it's the music like, I'm going to cut it in. Yeah. But, you know, and he's like that. And then Bill Murray's like, you know, let's run some red lights. And it's like, and then seeing the old New York City cop cars driving down the city. And see, this is the kind of city, you know, I imagine with New York when I was a kid, you know what I mean? It's, it's not trashy. It's you know there's there's trash blowing around you know the wind out of the well trash lived cans. in well lived in not dirty but oh, well lived yeah in. just old school New York the old school like cabs and cop cars yeah. and and just you know the everybody wearing and they made it all look nice and clean now yeah it's I know terrible I know and then everybody's wearing like <laughs> like trench coats you know what you know. And like Raphael trench yeah, coats, and yeah. Stuff. So that that's what I imagine, you know, with New York, you know, and and Home Alone does it great, mm -hmm. you know. There's a lot of those movies that do it great, but you know, with them giving them the escort down to the apartment, and awesome. everything, and it was like saving the day. So getting into this, uh, we open up and uh we find a uh, a librarian who's walking through with this little you know the eerie music that plays yeah. and everything i love that music it's like yep. uh what are those machines what's that machine that sheldon was playing oh, the star trek the theme, star trek the theme. oh man that's gonna take me off i've loved the theremin from the first moment i heard the original star trek theme and it's been killing me that it just sits in my closet gathering dust <laughs>
is what it's called. Theremin. It's a theremin. Uh, But it sounds like it's something being played on a theremin, right? Yeah. Um, And then, you know, it's only this time that I notice she goes the same path as all the Ghostbusters go. Mm -hmm. And uh, and everything, which I thought was cool. But... um, they uh they start having weird things happen like the books going across the shelves that she's going mm-hmm. and of course that was done with just some little fishing line and yeah. you know books being pulled across on fishing lines yeah. which i tried really hard to see and i couldn't see and it was irritating um and then the cards coming up yeah uh, i don't know if they did some kind of like a card shuffler to make them oh yeah pop yeah, in the air or something yeah uh, you know like one of those money counter things yeah. that spin or whatever um so anyway, she's running around, and we get we get our first instance of you know uh, she screams, and then the Ghostbusters theme hits, yeah. you know, and that hits so hard. Yeah, it does. Do you remember? Do you remember hearing that and yeah. how how much that song is a part of our childhood? Oh yeah, and you hear it on Halloween all the time now, and the song's lasted so long. Yeah, you know, I asked, I asked my son and your son what the things are that stood out uh, for uh, the. Um, well, what what stood out in the movie? You know, mm-hmm. what, what was their favorite part? I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, your son said it was the special effects, uh, which I thought was interesting because we have much better special effects nowadays yeah. than they had in these movies. Yeah. But your son liked the special effects, like the librarian turning into that weird monster-looking thing. Yeah. Uh, and you know all the effects of the note cards and stuff. They seem simplistic, and they're probably done with real practical things. Mm-hmm. And then they just put the 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 color on it to make it look like a ghost and everything. But that's a real puppet when it turns into a monster like that. You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. claymation type thing. So um, I, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so, anyways, we uh, we see that, and then we get introduced to Venkman, and. Uh, <laughs> Venkman, Dr. Peter Venkman, he has uh, PhDs in parapsychology and psychology, and he's currently conducting a study right now on the effects of uh, negative reinforcement uh, to psychic ability. Yeah. And so he's and got- pretty this, much proves it. I mean, just saying. I, my first note on it, and it's, I, I love when we talk because you said <laughs> that, and uh, look, he actually proved yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah. what you said. So anyways, he's talking to these- uh, But these, he doesn't care. He doesn't even, I don't think he even noticed that he proved it. No, no, no. Because he's, he's all he uses this, he uses his prestige, his education. He uses it to pick up girls. That's yeah. all he's worried about. Because Dan Aykroyd yeah. pretty much per, uh, points that out. Yeah. So, yeah. so he's there for, uh, Peter's there for the girls and the prestige, you know, the fame or whatever. So he's got these uh, students played by Jennifer Runyon and Stephen Tosh. Uh, uh, And Stephen Tosh, he looks a lot like Rick Moranis, I always thought. Yeah. Yeah. But um, anyways, <laughs> he's getting pissed because he's showing With them cards and everything. Though. Yeah, and they and they keep getting the questions wrong, and she and and he shocks he shocks the guy. But whenever the girl gets the question or gets the card wrong, it doesn't guess right. Yeah. He's like, "You got that right." He's like, "Can you see through these cards?" You know, it's hilarious. And yeah. It was just as funny now as it was when I was a kid. Yeah. And then it starts to work, and then you know, out of nowhere, he's you know, who would think on a card instead of shapes there would be some squiggly yeah. lines? He's like, uh, just some squiggly lines, and it was squiggly yeah. lines, so it actually worked. Yeah, I know. So I wonder, I don't wonder if that has an effect on the second movie because the second movie is all about negative emotions and all that kind of stuff. That's so. true. That's true. And and he was he pretty much headlined that. You know, I mean, he pretty much uh, was doing that while you know the other two were 
doing other science doing experiments. Yeah, ghost stuff. But like you said, you know, it wasn't like he was doing real experiments or anything. No, it was no. all just to just to, to get to get some action and everything. But um, he's he's dismissed that other guy, or the other guy got pissed and left. And so now he's really trying to hit on her. But then it's ruined when Ray comes in, and he's like, "This is it. This is definitely it." See those UV lenses come in for the video camera and that blank tape. I need it, the one you erased yesterday. I'm right in the middle of something, Ray. Uh, I need a little more time with this subject. Could you come back in an hour, hour and a half? Peter, at 1.40 p.m. at the main branch of the New York Public Library on Fifth Avenue, 10 people witnessed a free-floating, full-torso vaporous apparition. It blew books off shelves from 20 feet away and scared the socks off some poor librarian. Uh, so, anyways, they go to uh, they go to the library. They meet with Egon uh, Spangler, who's doing some readings and everything. And that's where we get the the funny line about you know you know this reminds me Egon of that one time that you tried to drill a hole in your head, and Egon was like that would have worked if you hadn't stopped me. Yeah, yeah. That's how Egon is probably going to show to yeah. have died in 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 Ghostbusters after. I think he looked in the box. I think he looked in the box. Maybe he looked in the trap. You know, yeah. don't look at the trap. Yeah. I looked at the trap, Ray. Yeah, that's what did it. That's what did it. <laughs> oh, it's, it's awesome. You know, you, one, one thing I noticed with these these three, you know. Real quick, three. I just want to say they're professors that work at a college and they work at Columbia University in New okay. York. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but these three characters, right, and these three t- scientists. Um, of pseudoscience. Of pseudoscience. And uh, Venkman is a, uh, you know, psychologist, basically. You know, uh, para- paranormal psychologist and an actual right. psychologist. Uh, trying to merge the paranormal <laughs> with science. Yeah. Which maybe interprets for him yeah. how to pick up chicks, you know. Yeah, yeah, probably. So, so um, but no, you see with these three characters, right, and I'm sure you noticed this too, but, you know, Venkman, Bill Murray's character was kind of like their translator. You know what I mean? Kind of like with Penny and Big Bang characters. You know, she's like their translator. She's able to translate them to other people and other people to them. You know what I mean? And so, like, in a way, Bill Murray was kind of, you know, he's the one that dealt, knew how to talk to people. So what you're saying, he's, he's, he's the avatar for the audience. Correct. He's the one discovering. I'd say that's probably more Zetamore, but as far as putting the... Uh, hard to understand scientific stuff into layman's terms. Yes, yes. Basically, what Penny did, Penny did in Big Bang Theory. Right. You know what I mean? Where and that would frustrate the shit out of right, Sheldon because right. he's like, you're just boiling it down to its most basic premise. But right. sure, go and, ahead. And then look at look at like Scorpion, for instance. You know, it's it's a known fact that you know, Paige, who who who's the uh, actress played by. Um, What's Scorpion? Scorpion is this TV show, right? It's a bunch of the really, really smart people. Oh, I've heard of it. I've yeah, yeah, seen but it. really smart people. And then the waitress gets hired on to basically interpret interpret the small people, you know, the the smart people to the world and the world to the smart people kind of thing. You know, it's it's that same formula that I feel like Bill Murray's character is in this film, where he's able to kind of talk to people and you know that's why they were able to start a business together because i think if they didn't have bill murray they didn't know they wouldn't know what direction to go in yeah you know and i felt like he was kind of like their interpreter for other people you know what i mean you know what's another good thing about this movie what is it about busting ghosts it's not about anything yeah there's no driving plot things happen things develop they start their ghost busting business and everything but there's no plot that's what we were talking about with the second movie is like okay well you know that they're working towards that eventually eventually the movie's going to work towards that painting yeah uh, against vigo and everything yeah. um but 
as far as this one goes, there's really no plot, and it, it develops subtly, and you don't even understand what the plot is until the very end. Yeah, and they throw love stories in there randomly. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's it's almost like it's almost just kind of like you're just watching everyday life. You know, maybe yeah. that's why it's so endearing and uh, people can connect with it so well because you're watching. You're just you're not watching any kind of like mission or anything. You're watching these guys that start a business, may fail, may succeed, just happens to have some chance circumstances where it succeeds. Yeah. So um, that that's what I find interesting about this. Uh, another thing is is what starts the activity because exactly because yeah. they were they they haven't seen but okay so when they were going through the library and the bookshelf fell over uh-huh. and uh Venkman asks asks ray he's like has this ever happened to you before and he's ray goes yeah. nope you know he slowly shakes his head and looks at egon and egon you know so <clears throat> they've never actually experienced ghost or paranormal stuff now they see that one now they see slimer now they're getting called every yeah, day yeah their their prior one was from you know seeing a p- sponge migration you know and seeing a weirdly yeah, and he said unpredictable like three spon- feet or yeah like yeah that. But, I mean, that was the closest that they ever got to it, you know. And then all of a sudden something started. But then we do get the explanation that the the um, the building the, the building was created by a fan of, what, what was it? Not Igor. Was it Igor? Or, no. no. Uh, Igor? No, the, the main. Oh, main, Gozer. Gozer, yeah. yeah. So this was a uh, fan club of Gozer. The architect yeah. started a fan worshiper club and created the building. And it was a magnet. Or Let me a, guess. Gozer worshiper. Yeah. No studying. <laughs> what did he say? No studying. Or yeah. Something like that. But yeah, I. but that was my point was that, that yeah, that building, once those, they all get released and then Sigourney Waver wakes up and then Rick Moranis is like, it's the sign, you know, and everything. And they all like kind of converge towards the building, but then they kind of just go away and it's just yeah. about Gozer. So does Gozer bring all the ghosts or no, are all the, the ghosts thing. bringing the Gozer? Yeah. Because what's, what's, it never really gives an explanation of the uptick in paranormal activity that's going on in the city. There's we, nothing I, that's, that, that we're assuming lit it has, that flame, you know? Yeah, we're assuming it has to do with Gozer. Why now? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it just happens to be every certain amount of years and this is right on the dot. He's coming back. Yeah. But. But then again, I don't know how it got to that point. But then again, in a way, they kind of explain it maybe on the second one because you know they had the rivers of ectoplasm, right? And Stop that didn't start. It. No, We're no, not there I, yet. I'm, just, I, I'm just saying that that we can maybe that ectoplasm's always been going under you know New York City. Maybe that's what's causing this stuff to happen. Maybe, maybe I know that it had been storage for years. Apparently, I'm yeah. assuming since before the first one because Sigourney Weaver did make a comment in the second one that said something like. Um, uh, it's creeped me out ever since they brought it up for st- from storage. Yeah. So it's been there for a while, but it hasn't really been active. So I don't know. Maybe there has to be a certain amount of attention paid to the paranormal for it to then, uh, for it to then be allowed to kind of break out of its shell. Because now the more fame that the Ghostbusters got, the more the paranormal was coming. So maybe it was like an attention thing. People yeah. stopped believing in ghosts. I hope so it's they not something that both anymore. of us missed. You know, like I, I have a feeling I, that's what it I, is. Because I would hope it wasn't something both of us I don't think it is. You know, this, like, the second movie is all about negative versus positive emotion, right? This first movie is all about belief. So I think that that it has to be belief. And, and, you know, uh, there was a a ghost that was seen at the library or whatever. That was just a chance thing. But these certain people who solely believe in it and – or who wholly believe in it and they uh, they, – 
What was I going to say? Sorry. No, you're fine. <laughs> they wholly believe in it and they study it, right? People like that go to see the ghost and then they see it because they believe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so they're going to start seeing more of it. And because they believe and they have this now, now those stories are st- starting to get out into the city. And now the the hotel thing where they, they came out and they had the, uh, the the trap and everything. Now suddenly they're starting to get more and more. And the more attention they get, the more paranormal. So maybe it's all about belief. If you believe, that makes more of the paranormal come back. Yeah. You know, whereas at this point when the movie first started, not many people believed in ghosts. So you, it was rare to see anything. So and that's they had, what I They believe. had a fan club by the end of it, you know. And, and that went away after five years because the next movie says five years later. later and everybody, for some reason, forgot what they did, even though it was a citywide and probably yeah. worldwide event. Yeah. I mean, and but whatever. You, you did mention the hotel when he came out with that trap. And they asked for 5000 I'm like... They probably well, did close to like, a million worth four. of damage. He's like, oh, well, yeah, they did do a lot. Probably, I mean, that chandelier alone was probably worth. I mean, like they 20, do have 000. nuclear weapons that yeah. they're shooting around. That, so. Yeah, yeah, that's got to have. You got to think that that's got to have some kind of side effects and some radiation, yeah. poisoning or something. These scientists have figured out how to use nuclear energy without side yeah. effects. I don't know. Um, so they're they're at Columbia University investigating the paranormal. After the uh, library deal, um, they come back and they find that the dean has fired them. He, he's like, you know, don't believe in what you're doing, your your so-called science or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, so, but as they're walking away from the library, uh, um, Egon says, you know, based on this information I have, I think that we uh, there's a chance we can develop something to catch these ghosts. Yeah. And then the camera shot switches to Vankman, yeah. to Bill Murray's character. And he doesn't say anything, but he looks at him saying that, and he kind of looks down and like he's thinking. He's like, he's thinking. And then it just cuts away, and they're still talking and everything. But that's when you see, as soon as Egon says that, Ghostbusters immediately dawned on Peter. He's yeah. like, wait a minute. Because remember, he's in it for the the, the women, the fame, the fame and all, all that yeah. kind of stuff, you know, the prestige of it. Yeah. So he's like... Ooh, we can monetize this, you know, <laughs> and uh, we can make this a thing. And, you know, we'll be like firefighters without the real danger. You know, we'll yeah. be like firefighters. We can come get these ghosts and, you know, we'll be stars. Did he say firefighters? Did he say? Uh, he didn't say fire. He didn't okay. say any of that. But I'm just okay. like, that's what he's thinking. That'd be like a precursor to actually getting the firehouse. You yeah, know? that's true. Uh, which is iconic. Yeah. In itself. yeah. I remember we had the firehouse. Yeah. And you, you know what they the do? The Pateras had that too. Yeah. Uh, Travis and Steven, they had that, and the, and the, I still have the Ecto one from when I was younger. It's crazy. It's a it's a mom and dad's attic. That's crazy. With Shh, some toys and stuff. Anybody. Don't tell anybody. It's there. Um, so uh, anyway, so they they're like, hey, let's do this. So how how are we going to pay for it? You know, and, and that's that's when you get the whole thing. He's like, you know, I be- he goes, call it fate for whatever reasons, Ray. Call it fate. Call it luck. Call it karma. I believe that everything happens for a reason. I believe that we were destined to get thrown out of this dump. For what purpose? To go into business for ourselves. You have that, and then uh, then they were like, well, how are we going to pay for this? <laughs> and so poor Ray, he has to take a third mortgage out on his house. And uh, speaking of houses real quick, I just want to say this. Um, one of his biggest experiences that made him believe in ghosts and Dan Aykroyd is they had this old um, farmhouse that he grew up in in Canada that he lived that he lived uh, you know he lived in a house and they had a farmhouse and it was supposed to be haunted and there was many experiences he had there and I think that's what that's what the whole afterlife is you know they're they're writing it with Dan Aykroyd and his experience in mind because you know he had the old farmhouse so uh, mm-hmm. anyways that's where I think the whole farmhouse comes from but 
Um, so they get the, I don't know how much the house was, but it was apparently enough to pay rent on a building, um, <clears throat> utilities, uh, the development, creation, <laughs> and building refurbishing of, of the nuclear, high tech nuclear powered yeah. equipment, um, a car, uh, all their eating and living expenses. I mean, it must have been a, a sweet house, <laughs> yeah. a sweet house. Yeah. And, uh, to take and of course, bank, bank, it's like everybody's taking out three mortgages nowadays. <laughs> and uh, even uh, uh, he, he's gone was like, you know, you, you're going to pay like $90,000 just in interest to your first year. And it's funny. Or 19000 And the funny thing is, is that, you know, with Sigourney Weaver saying how, how Bill Murray is a car salesman. Yeah. He said, you're like, you're more the, like a used car, car salesman. Yes, the scientist, uh, you know, the used car salesman scientist, you know, and, and it's so true because I mean, he just talked his friend into getting a uh, third uh, mortgage or a third. He's charming. Yeah. 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 He's he, uh, to those that know him well, he's a prick, but he's charming. Yes. Yes. And, and even the ones that don't know him well could probably pick and, up and on And she that, had right? his number right at the beginning. Definitely. So, so they start the business, um, and, uh, you know they they have a little sign up there. They go and uh, ow. Um, they they make a commercial, and it's a crappy little commercial they make. Uh, and as Dana gets home, we get introduced to her. She's got an annoying neighbor, uh, played by Rick Moranis. What was his name in this movie? Let's see. I'll tell you. I know his his ghost name was Vince Clortho. Lewis. Lewis Tully. So Lewis Tully is her annoying neighbor. Obviously, he has a thing for her and everything, but he never has any guts to really ask her out. Ask her to a, a communal party. That's as close as he got to yeah. as he's gotten. But she agrees to maybe swing by his party here in a little bit. Um, anyway, she goes a little bit. She goes into her house, sees that commercial, and just kind of like whatever. Flips off the TV, goes into the uh, kitchen, starts unloading her groceries. Her and you see the state puff marshmallow bag and everything. Um, you see eggs start popping out of there and frying on the counter, yeah. and then she hears a voice say "Zool." She opens her fridge and sees the big old tower that we see at the end. <clears throat> where Gozer comes out of and all that. Freaks out and goes down to the Ghostbusters uh, station and everything. And all this happens in one hour. Right. Yeah. Yes. The whole thing that you just got through saying, it all happens in an hour's time. Yeah, basically. It seems like. Basically, it, it's very quick and, and you know, it, it goes through it Because that's quick. what we were talking about earlier with the, the uh, whole time period throughout this, this film. Yeah. Got very confusing. So she goes there. She's like, I saw like this demonic dog creature. It said Zool, blah, 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 blah. So Ray and Egon were like, oh, okay, we're going to research it. We'll look up uh, Zool. We'll look up um, the history of your apartment, all this kind of stuff. And Peter's like, I'll, I'll go back with her and check her out. I mean, check her apartment out, yeah. you know, that type of thing. So, you know, there's an awesome scene where he goes in there. He's like, ding, 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 ding. He's like, they hate this. I like to torture him, you know. <laughs> it's Dr. Venkman. <laughs> I hate this. I like to torture him. That's right, boys. It's Dr. Venkman. A lot of space. Just you? Yes. Good. What is that thing you're doing? It's technical. It's one of our little toys. I see. They have a great back and forth because she's just like, you are ridiculous. She is in 
upper crust, upper class musician that that yeah. works in an orchestra, yeah. and probably has never even been around a blue collar worker like this before. Uh-huh. Um, and I say blue collar worker; he's a scientist and he's yeah. got a doctorate and everything, been to college and everything. But that's what they've become. They've yeah. become little blue collar workers and everything. And he's got that mentality. So um, while he's um, confident and he's trying to be, uh, he's. He's trying to be all swag around her and everything. She's not falling for it. Uh, he goes into her house, doesn't find anything. There's no readings. I don't know what the thing he has is, the little wand and everything. Yeah. It could have been one of their tools because they have tools like that. Yeah. But I could also see Venkman just grabbing some old thing from the firehouse and acting like it's like a tool that he's using yeah. and everything. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, he, he believes in it. I mean, obviously his job is, but it takes over you know women apparently take over any kind of common sense he might have yeah you know and and any kind of sense of anything that he might have so it's like you know he he already doesn't believe her even though he's seen it day to day he just automatically doesn't believe her right that that, you know he thinks she's just tripping out kind of thing you know what i mean but he's just thinking of oh let's go take her on a date you know so i'm gonna just go over there and (laughs) he's trying to say a bunch of words oh yeah absolutely that's the bedroom but nothing ever happened in there crime you know you don't act like a scientist they're usually pretty stiff you're more like a game show host yeah and then obviously it's not working and uh and you know he's like i'm gonna go for broke here he's like I am madly in love with you. And she's like, oh, my God. <laughs> she's like, get out. The we entire time she's trying to kick him out. Yeah, know, yeah. At a certain she, point. She has, she has no interest in this guy and everything. There, There's probably a part inside of her that's a, that's charmed we by see it. that. We and everything. That. And that she's, she probably wants to laugh, but she's just not used to him yet. Yeah. And so she just kind of, like, later on, even when she sees him on TV or just, she doesn't hear it on TV. She hears it on the radio of what yeah. they do. Like, they bust some goats and then they stayed to dance with some women and everything. <laughs> and it makes her laugh, yeah. you know. Just no who he is and everything but um after she rejects him and uh, kicks him out and everything um then they're that's when they're they get the call you know we got one and you know they do the thing and go to the the hotel and that's where we meet our first first real ghost besides the library ghost right and it's the most famous ghost of all of ghostbusters it's slimer even in the cartoon he's part of the team right right he's actually like a sidekick in in or like a mascot right the one ghost that they like okay he's not too much trouble we'll, no, he just eats we don't have to and you know him. they ba- dan Aykroyd based that character on belushi john belushi yeah and you know the, they they had the character but i think that there was some talk between uh dan Aykroyd and reitman the director and it was like um you know this is supposed to be belushi's movie let's let's yeah. put him in there and belushi loved to be this type of character yeah you know just grossing people out and yep. <clears throat> all that kind of stuff so they said he would have been honored by it but um anyway so they do that and uh <laughs> he you know they haven't tested their equipment so they turn it on and they're a little nervous about it uh but egon warns them there's one rule you don't ever cross the streams yep. because it could cause a uh what is it called a protonic uh reversal and basically yeah. what that means is you are dismembered but at a microscopic uh, subatomic level you basically each pro each proton of every cell is just unraveled so you are completely just you're basically unmade yeah that's what it'll do if it that's what it could do they say it couldn't it could never happen 
and but, it, and but any, it could. And anybody watching movies knows that that's uh, a precursor. It's foreshadowing, you know, and at, uh, uh, for later on. Right. And you know that that's going to end up happening. Yeah, don't cross the streams. And it's everything that uh, when, when boys were younger, that's what we used to say when we were peeing out in the woods. Yeah, don't, don't cross, cross the streams. streams. Yeah. Right. So, well, uh, then. yeah. So, anyways, they, they finally capture it after, you know, they, they get $5,000 after creating about ten to $20,000 in damage. <laughs> probably more. Um, probably more. Um, but they, they capture it and they, they get it in their little trap, right? Um, so, as that happens, um, more activity starts to increase across the city and the Ghostbusters become more famous for, you know, all the different things that they're doing, you know. And eventually they get too busy. Yeah. And that's when, after the after the montage or whatever, and the monta- the, the, in the montage of the guys running down the street mm-hmm. together, that was actually the first thing that they shot. Of the, the three of them before Winston got there, the three of them with Aykroyd in the middle, Burma, uh, Murray to the left, and Harold Ramis to the right, where they're running, they're really running in the street. People behind aren't actors. It was just a shot they wanted to get. And he said, as soon as he saw them coming, he knew the directors said, as soon as he saw them coming towards the camera, he's like, that's when he knew that this would work because they looked good in their suits and all that kind of stuff. So. Uh, but after all that, and like I said, I think it's because people start hearing more about it. They start to believe more. And because of the belief, the supernatural uh, activity increases, which also increases uh, the whole Zool and Gozer thing, which is no good. Um, <clears throat> good for their business, not good for the world. Um, so they get a little busy and they hire Winston to to, to help cope with it. Um, at about that time, uh, EPA inspector Walter Peck comes by and... Uh, for no reason we never heard why he's coming i'm guessing they got they're getting all this press and somebody in the government or whatever says like, we need to get some let's money check these from people them. Out. Uh, yeah like they're like are these guys being taxed correctly um they're providing these services but how are they doing this are they is conning it a, people yeah is it a real thing do they just use gases and lights to mm-hmm. i mean and if they are disposing of something i want to see the uh, we need to see what is in a disposal unit what this power that's being provided to this building is going towards and everything because there are rules for all that stuff yeah that, and then they that send the most snivy the snivy character that they could possibly come up for that works for the epa because it was the reagan era and it's eighth atherton <laughs> you know <laughs> so uh but basically peter just shuts him down you know yeah. it's a, it's a war of egos there yeah and, and who's smarter as you know i mean you got to know that Venkman's going to be smarter in the sense that, you know, he can read people and he knows how certain people are. Well, he just knows how to agitate people, yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. He knows how to get their goat and make them that, that upset or whatever. Which kind of kind of made me laugh when, you know, you were talking about the whole uh, uh, Belushi, you know, thing with, with Dan Murray. Or Dan Murray. Dan Murray. <laughs> Good old Bill. Bill Murray with Bill Murray, you know, trying to tick him off and everything else like that. And the fact that, you know, that's what Bill Murray's most of his roles are. It's just basically how to tick off, you know, the antagonist or even just side characters in every single movie he does. Yeah. You know, just finds a way to irritate him. Yeah. You know, and the but in a charming and endearing and hilarious way for us as an audience. Right, right. Where Belushi obviously was his person that could do that to yeah, him. Yeah, they would have been very different peters uh bill murray is yeah. a lot quieter and a lot more subtle Suave with, try, you know trying to be more charming and everything whereas uh, uh belushi would have been you know a little bit more hyper it would have been more yeah. active more explosive 
and you know different things like that yeah. so um but anyways uh we get egon telling us uh you know hey there's been some crazy things with the supernatural energy across you know it's starting to get a little crazy out there mm-hmm. our containment system isn't is is you know not it's overloaded gonna, yeah it's overloaded it's not gonna be up to snuff in a while and um the supernatural energy of the readings is crazy if you look at a regular twinkie he shows up if that represents the normal supernatural activity then what they have in the city would one be like 35 feet long and 600 pounds some no 600 tons i think it was so because i never remember him saying tons and i remember him saying 35 feet so it would be a gigantic twinkie so they're saying you know this city's about to pop off you know in the new trailer we even heard paul rudd saying you know um new york back in the 80s was a hot spot you know it was crazy with with paranormal activity and all that um so it's going across the city and everything um but uh, Peter meets with Dana and, like, tells her all the information. He says, Zul was a demigod worshipped as a servant to Gozer. Uh, Gozer the Gozerian is a shape-shifting god of destruction. And, um, you know, you, uh, Zul is is a servant that helps to bring Gozer about. So, yeah. um, but that's why she kept hearing Zul, because Zul is important for what she's got going on. Anyway, he makes a date with her, and she finally says yes, and tells the other guy she's a, that he's a friend, which he's not. So yeah. you get the sense that she's kind of got a thing for him. And yeah. it's like, you know, you see the yuppie that she's with, that's usually probably who she dates. And Isn't so that she's the father of the child in the second one? No, because it was somebody else. It could have been that guy. They could have probably explained later, but well, maybe it was that guy. But they just said that her and Peter dated for a little while and then they broke up. She met somebody else, married him, they had a baby and then they divorced and he yeah. ran off to Europe or something. So they just needed a way to have a baby, yeah. have it not be Peter's and then so they can get the two of them back together and everything. So, yeah. um, uh, okay. So Dana goes home and in a very horrifying scene, I thought she's, you know her her bathroom goes off there's that glowing light and everything and then you know those hands come out of the chair and grab her and she's just screaming she's getting ready for a date with peter but she's you know she now she's been pulled into that that room it's very horrifying very like poltergeist kind of you know yeah it's a true horror moment in the movie so um that's (laughs) that's interesting uh and and while that's going on uh the key master dog you got the gatekeeper dog and the keymaster dog. The keymaster dog is going after um, uh, uh, Tully. I'm gonna bring us up at the next tenants meeting. There's not supposed to be any pets in the building. Nice doggy, cute little pooch. Maybe I got a milk bone. Uh, anyways, those two have been ha- and inhabited by the uh, the gatekeeper and the uh, keymaster. So uh, Peter comes by and uh, finds Dana, and you know finds that she's been levitating above her bed. And this is when it really starts to kick off. Um, you know she's been possessed. Rick Moranis has been possessed. He's dropped off at the Ghostbusters for them to figure it out. The EPA is coming. You know now the yeah. EPA has a court order. They're coming to to uh, deal with some stuff. But before that happens. Peter's with Dana. Now, does the gatekeeper and the keymaster have to have sex to bring Gozer? That's what I was thinking. Because I mean, I wasn't thinking about it, but I was just thinking that that was supposed. That was what they were implying. Because she was possessed and she wanted Peter. She's like, "You want this body? 
Is this a trick question? I guess the roses worked, huh? Take me now, sub-creature. We never talk anymore. I make it a rule never to get involved with possessed people. Actually, it's more of a guideline than a rule. You know, I can... I want you inside me. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I can't. Sounds like you got at least two people in there already. Might be a little crowded. I don't remember when I watched this as a kid <laughs> n- noticing that Well, I mean, we, we skipped over the sex Probably. stream, right? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure we did. Uh, so I think that was kind of based on a real-life experience Dan Aykroyd had. He said he was shooting a movie, went to bed, felt a, a presence in with him that kind of cuddled with him but it felt like it was attracted to him and all this kind of stuff not you know felt like it was supposed to get fresh and that was brought into the movie but if you noticed it doesn't it kind of implies that that's just a dream yeah because it shows him sleeping and then does the little the wavy yeah. screen where it looks like it's going to a dream or uh-huh. something and it does that but um but she even says to him she's like you know she's trying to like get it on with peter yeah and he finally calms her down enough and then gives her some medicine to knock her out and everything um i mean and why you else didn't would find that weird by the way that he just kept that those certain drugs with him at all times no I, a little weird and the fact that he's like i'll be back and he's like kissing her like yeah, they haven't even had a date yet I he's know. like kissing her on the neck i'll be right back and kisses her on the neck and goes and but like, why does he have well, those drugs weird. with like, him like, at all look, times dude, you're not close yet you know you, yeah you, you gotta ask permission all that kind of stuff yeah but um Maybe it's, check his medical practice yeah a little little interesting i might go along with that whole Venkman. yeah yeah, uh, yeah a scandalous guy um <laughs> But yeah, she's. Why else would Zool, because Zool's possessing her now, so why else would Zool want to do that unless it was. Zool is all about Gozer, so that must be the way, because when the Keymaster comes as Rick Moranis, they kiss, and then they go upstairs, and you don't see what they did. Let's get real. She kissed him because he was just yeah. kind of like. Ugh. Well, he went after her, but yeah, she sweeped yeah. him down. Then they went upstairs. And I'm assuming they, they did. I don't know. You know, she wanted to have sex with him, and why would Zool want to do that unless it was that? Uh, so maybe Lewis <laughs> got some Dana action. Uh, do you do you think that Lewis and her ever talk about that? Watch that. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That'd be, be awesome. hilarious. Well, and, and you know, I really, I really, to be honest with you, we've seen Dana and Aykroyd. We have seen Bill Murray, but I would really love to see Bill Murray in this one, in the new one. We we will. He's already been confirmed. Okay. That he's it's it's going to be him, Sigourney Weaver, uh, Dana Aykroyd. I believe uh, Ernie Hudson is coming okay. back as well. Uh, there's it's still up in the air whether Rick Moranis is coming back. Obviously, yeah. he left for a good while. I think he might have one yeah. or two times come back for something. Yeah, nothing, nothing like a big movie or anything. But um, people are hoping for it. There's still articles online. It's like, is Rick Moranis coming? Maybe it's one of those secret ones that they don't want to let and, out because it's going to be real quick. Yeah, and Rick Rick Moranis. You know, we talked about it earlier a little bit, but that that guy was on like in the beat these big comedy clubs with you know bill murray and chevy chase and and you know robin williams he was and a stuff huge like comedian. that he, he yeah he was in these com- big comedy in Canada too. yeah but i mean he he actually you know a lot of people looking at him and seeing some of the roles he did don't realize that he was he was you know shoulder to shoulder with these great comedians you know because he's in his own saying. right you in know? this movie with all the actors here nobody's talking uh, when i watch interviews nobody's saying oh bill murray this dan Aykroyd that yeah it's usually Oh, we got Rick Moranis, too. And Rick Moranis is a genius. He does all this stuff. Now, I will say, um, many of the Saturday Night Live cast members, including uh, Dan Aykroyd, has said in the past that 
Danny, as they call him, uh, was the real genius when it comes to writing and stuff yeah. like that. So he's I believe a, it. Yeah, he's a huge part of the writing, uh, you know, part of Saturday Night Live. And no, this one, it. of course, all that. I believe it. I mean, the guy's a genius when it comes to comedy. I mean, you know, like a lot of those other guys are. But, you know, same with this movie, you know, most, most of Bill Murray's uh, lines were all ad-libbed. They even said that, you know. A lot that, of them were. A lot of them were scripted, but yeah, a lot of it. They, I mean, you have an actor like Bill Murray, you let yeah, him do his yeah. thing. That's like Rob Williams yeah. is another one. And a lot of it's like like the main know. lines that he gives, like the scientific stuff, or when he's talking to Ray. Yeah, that's all scripted. But the like the little offhand comments yeah. and the the, yeah. the the color here and there, right, that's right, all right. Bill Murray. That's all ad lib. Yeah, and I'm shot. not saying Ernie Hudson can't ad lib, but I don't think he can ad lib as well as you know Dan Aykroyd. He's not Bill one of these classical stand up comedians. Yeah. like real. He's an actor. Yeah. Whereas Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and probably Harold Ramis, uh, at least Murray and Aykroyd, they're they're comedians. Yeah, you know they're comedi- well, comedic. Well, hey, Harold, actors. Harold Ramis did uh, did some ad libbing in this film too. I was reading about you know, and and he. Uh, I'm not you, surprised. You know, he's, he's a director, and they yeah, come up with lines all exactly. the time. Exactly, and and you know he wasn't even going to do this role like playing playing uh, Egon, you know, because. He he said the only reason he played the role of Egon is because he didn't you know, have to direct. Well, no, it's because uh, the main role that he wanted because he helped write it, right? But he wasn't originally going to act in it. But he they couldn't find somebody to play this role. Oh, okay, like you know John Candy might John, have. Or yeah, yeah, was supposed to play that. role. But I, I don't think you know. And then that's the thing he he chose to play this role because he didn't think that there was you know I'm sure him and Ackroyd didn't think that there was anybody else could play it. Yeah, you know. Um, so uh, after all this, and Dana's in trouble, and Lewis somebody is in trouble at the Ghostbusters station, uh, the police, the EPA guy, and the electric company show up. Uh, he's got a court order uh, to take control of the premises, to mm-hmm. take control of the power grid, uh, power grid at the station, and to, um, to cease and desist basically all operations yeah. by the corporation known or the company known as Ghostbusters fired them all right so he comes in and says shut it down and they warned him they said if you shut down the protection grid because all this is a protection grid that holds them in you shut it down they're going to get out try to understand this is a high voltage laser containment system simply turning it off would be like dropping a bomb in the city don't patronize me I'm not grotesquely stupid like the people you built that ease officer I'm Peter Venkman I think there's just been a slight misunderstanding and I want to cooperate in any way that I can forget it Venkman you had your chance to cooperate but you thought it'd be more fun to insult me well now it is my turn wise ass he wants to shut down the protection grid Peter you shut that thing down, and we are not going to be held responsible for whatever happens. Be no, we won't be shut held it off. responsible. Don't shut it off. I'm warning you. Um, I, I've never seen anything like this before. I don't know. Okay, I'm not interested in your opinion. Just shut it off. Like idiots, they shut it down anyway. And everybody, including uh, Lewis or Vince Clortho, as he's known mm-hmm. now, uh, the key master um, <clears throat> hauls butt out of there as the place starts to blow up, and then suddenly the there's a hole in the the Ghostbusters roof, mm-hmm. and all the ghosts escape. You know, um, there's not enough spirit energy for God. I think it, I think Gozer's Gozer's return needs spirit energy, and that's why it always goes with times when ghosts are very prevalent, and he yeah. hasn't been around. Now ghosts are starting to come back again. You know, maybe every thousand years. You know, that's why you hear about ghost stories, but you don't believe it nowadays because that yeah. was way back when. Well, every thousand years, it's like a cycle. So now, as soon as that roof blew up, Sigourney Weaver, as Zool, opened her eyes. 
like, oh, it's ready now. It's time yeah. now. Now we have that spiritual energy to open the gate or whatever it may be. Um, <clears throat> so the Ghostbusters get arrested for that explosion. They get taken to jail. And who do we see in jail? After they, well, first of all, they explain everything that's going on with, uh, with Dana and the building and Gozer and all that. The whole building is a huge superconductive antenna that was designed and built expressly for the purpose of pulling in and concentrating spiritual turbulence. Your girlfriend lives in the corner penthouse of Spook Central. She's not my girlfriend. I find her interesting because she's a client and because she sleeps above her covers. Four feet above her covers. She barks, she drools, she claws. It's not the girl, Peter, it's the building. Something terrible is about to enter our world, and this building is obviously the door. The architect's name was Evo Shandor. I found it in Tobin's spirit guide. He was also a doctor, performed a lot of unnecessary surgery. And then in 1920, he started a secret society. Let me guess. Gozer worshippers. Right. No studying. After the First World War, Shandor decided that society was too sick to survive. And he wasn't alone. He had close to no. a thousand followers when he died. They conducted rituals up on the roof, bizarre rituals intended to bring about the end of the world. And now it looks like it may actually happen. So be good, for goodness sake. Whoa! Which I always thought was really cool, and that's what we were talking yeah. about, getting into the the um the mythology behind it and stuff but who's the cop that we see that gets that takes the ghostbusters out of the cell he's like ghostbusters mayor wants to see you <sighs> who is that it's good old al from die hard oh yes that's another right. movie that uh william atherton and uh and uh wow no you're talking about reginald <laughs> yeah and we see reginald Val johnson good old al from die hard yeah. uh so it's it's another movie that him and william atherton share yeah, yeah. and yeah. both of them are the same <laughs> roles same as role. die hard <laughs> you know, al somehow come to new york you know maybe maybe he followed john <laughs> John McClane back I mean, this to New definitely, York. Definitely, these two are, uh, uh, actors are definitely pigeonholed yeah. into and certain then you roles. got Will Matherton as a dick again. So, yeah. um, Anyways, they get arrested. Uh, they get pulled out of jail, and then they get taken to the mayor's office where, you know, uh, Venkman gets to have his sweet revenge against... Which is um, awesome. ...against the man that has no dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I heard. <laughs> That's just what I heard. <laughs> And I like how he's like tough, but then as soon as somebody grabs him to hold him back, he goes, okay, okay. He backs off. Like he doesn't really want to fight, you know? He doesn't. So, and then of course the mayor goes, you know, what do you need from me? To the, the, we the need building a, of the climate. We need a, uh, a police escort. All we need from you is a police escort and for everybody else to stay not, out of the Not building. to hit any red lights. That's yeah. all we need from you. Yeah. And then you know, not, not, not a guarantee of a paid amount oh, no. and opening reopening of the business. But no, we, we need a police escort so we can uh, run through a bunch of red lights. What I saw that as, because that was a good opportunity for them to say, look, we want, you know, half a mil from the city. Yeah to do this this yeah. is a huge thing and we may die yeah everybody else may die too yeah. 
you know, but we may die doing this, so half a mil. But I think I saw them as they had gotten so much criticism and the EPA guy and so many people that didn't believe here and there. This is their chance to— but that's not their fault, though. No, I know, you know, but it's their chance to make a save for the city and not have it be about money, have it be about doing the right thing. Um, not not that they're trying to worry about getting good press, but I think they finally realize, like, like look, we are blue-collar workers, but this is our one chance at being heroes. Let's not ask for money, you know, because even Venkman didn't ask for money. Yeah. Venkman just wanted to get there because now he had developed real feelings for uh, for Sigourney Weaver's yeah. um, character. And, yeah. oh, my eyes are burning. Um, and so he wanted to get there. He he had truly had changed a bit. He, he had a bit of a character development. Yeah. Um, Ray's still the same person. Uh, uh, Egon's still the same person. Uh, Rick Moranis' character, Zedimore, Janine, they're all the same people by the end. Yeah, but Winston, Winston was kind of like, like I'm not with these guys. Don't prosecute me. Don't I, I'm I'm you know basically he he's seems like the person that would be the turncoat uh-huh. like with any chance <laughs> given. And so then then all of a sudden now they're famous and they're going to go save the city. He's like, oh crap! Now I like I, when now they, I gotta go along. Well, with they, it. when they were actually in the cell, he's like he's like I think I got a different lawyer. And the next word after that was Ghostbusters. Mayor wants to see yeah. you. I would have been like, see you, Winston. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck with your new lawyer. <laughs> Everything. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> yeah. if, if, if the mayor asked me, you know, what do I need? I, I would say I would need a lifetime supply of New York pizza. <laughs> you know, at least from where? Like Ray's, right? The, yeah. Isn't it Ray's or yeah. Ray's Jr. or something yeah. like that? Like, Sorry, uh, Alicia from Horn Hills. Carl's and Carl's now. Jr. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and this whole time, I think Venkman uses ha- uh, humor to keep his fear yeah. at bay and everything. So that's him, you know, whenever they're telling the story in the cell, you know, he's like, so be good for goodness sake. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So I think that's what he's did because it's like, again, a little too real for him in that yeah. moment. And he doesn't like anything to be too real. Yeah. Same with Bill Murray, I believe. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> so anyways, they uh, they get the awesome scene where they get uh, brought down to the Ghostbuster or the uh, the uh, apartment building of of uh, Dana, and uh, of course there's a famous scene with all the crowd there, and you know the 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 uh, the big thing, you know the big behind the scenes thing that people would always talk about is uh, Ron Jeremy's in this one of these shots. You can actually see a, oh, a young right, Ron Jeremy yeah. and everything. Now we don't have to talk about that much because no. obviously he's uh, been indicted for some pretty horrible things and everything mm-hmm. so uh we'll just leave that for now yeah. but uh that was always one of those things see if you could see it i still to this day can't find them i've seen the stills yeah but i can't see where in the movie to pause yeah for or whatever but and it doesn't even really look like him that much so at least not like the the person you see nowadays mm-hmm. or even yeah. 20 years ago <laughs> <laughs> uh so anyways they uh you know they have kind of a little uh uh a little you know thing to show you the danger that they're about to be in with the earthquake and the ghostbusters falling down you know you have the false heroic moment where you know they they fall down and you think that they've died you know before they even got like almost flew off the building (laughs) yeah there's this whole thing they only plan they don't have national guard none of it or if they do there's no planes in the sky or whatever their only plan is these exterminators in yeah. jumpsuits. Yeah. And so, and now they just watched them go down this hole and they're like, well, they didn't even get inside the building. <laughs> you know? But, um, so anyways, they come out, oh, they want to play rough. Okay. You know? And so everybody was all cheering and everything. And that's, you know, the stuff like when you're a kid, when you just yeah. get so excited. Yeah. And they have to climb up all those stairs. And then, 22 floors. Yeah. Baby. He's like, tell me when we're on floor 20th. 
I'm going to throw up, you know, <laughs> and because uh, and it's so good because it goes along with these aren't heroes. These are blue collar workers yeah. that are having they're not firemen. No. So they, they you know, they're only like in the teens and, you know, and not that I would be OK because I'd be breathing heavy like that, yeah. too. But they're like, you know, what floor? Are we I think we're in the teens. All right. Tell me when we're at 20. I'm going to throw up, <laughs> you know, so it shows that they're very anti hero type people physicality yeah whatsoever. so Zero. they yeah so they get up there and then dana and uh lewis turn into dogs they see uh gozer come out of the gate and uh ray <laughs> like when he's like go ahead ray and uh go get her ray and ray's like you know it's like good evening as a duly designated representative of the city county and state of new york i order you to cease any and all supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or to the nearest convenient parallel dimension that ought to do it thanks very much ray and uh bill murray's just behind me he's like good job ray good job ray thanks <laughs> <laughs> like oh god that's the best you got i mean and here's the thing it's like it just goes to show that bill murray you know like he's trying to be suave in his life he's trying to be that kind of person when in reality he's just a big chicken yeah you know what i mean like he gets by by using his doctorate but he doesn't actually use his doctorate you know what i mean yeah. like he doesn't use it in the proper way he uses it for his personal preferences prefer preferences, preferences. Yeah. there we go um but it just goes to show that, you know, he's the guy that should be talking for them. You know what I mean? Like, he is their interpreter. He should be the one that's communicating. The other guys can't really communicate with people. Well, what is... Know, or demons. When they pull up to that building, what does Bill Murray say about Ray when they get out of the car? He holds up his hand. He's like, Ray Stance, everybody. The heart of the Ghostbusters. Yeah. It really is true. Ray yeah. is the heart because he's the true um, <clears throat> Ghostbuster. Yeah. Peter is the face of the Ghostbusters. Yeah. He's the one who has the office. He has mm -hmm. that office. You know, uh, Ray works the mechanic thing, but him and Egon are like down in the basement with yeah. the equipment. Ray's or uh, Peter's got the big, huge office right Not behind. Not doing anything. Yeah, really. right behind Janine's little tiny desk and everything. Yeah. He's got that big open office and everything. And so he's the and he's the one that's charming and talks to the press and everything. Yeah. And you know, he wants the fame. So he's the face of the, the Ghostbuster. He's kind of like the false Ghostbuster and everything. Yeah. Um, whereas Ray is the true, like, like Egon's good too, but he's more about the Egon's the engineer. Yeah. So uh, Egon's the brain, yeah. you know, but Ray is the true heart. Um, uh, Peter's the face and, uh, you know, Zedimore is the everyman that is our vehicle in to watch these other ghosts. Uh, okay. the, the, because you hear them to, you hear them talking about all the scientific stuff and. Zedemore doesn't has no idea what they're talking about. Winston doesn't have any idea what they're talking about. But he's like, look, I'll believe whatever you tell me to believe, you know, yeah. if it pays good. Yeah. And so he's kind of like the audience's avatar. He's the every he's kind of like the everyday man. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So the and then but then you have the heart, the brain, and the face and yeah. everything. So that's what I've always said about Peter. Whereas when I was younger, I was like, Oh, Peter's the best because, you know, he's the hero or whatever. Yeah. Ray's the hero, really, yeah. if you look at it. But I digress. Now, now they did change here at the end because Peter was willing to give his life. Yeah. Not for the city, really. Yeah. Not for anybody else, but for Dana. Well, no, the, the way that Dan Aykroyd and Reitman uh, said, they came out and they said that, you know, um, if you, it's very apparent, you know, more so in the second one, but, you know, Venkman, he was all about this. Yeah. It was around, you know, the, the girls and the fame and no, no, notoriety. Mm-hmm. But he also loved that city. 
You know what I mean? It's like oh, it, yeah. it, it's like he did it. I felt like he did it for the city, and then that's what you know, uh, Ackroyd and Reitman were saying that he he did it mainly for the city because he he you know had such love for the city. Not and, as much as Winston. I love this town. <laughs> no, but I mean, I guess I, that's, that's the qualification for that. Then. <laughs> no, but I mean that's true because you know he he's the type of person where like in there when they're in the situation he's like, yeah. Go get him, Ray. You know, yeah. kind of pushing Ray forward. Yeah. But hiding back back here. Yeah. If you notice, once they destroy uh, Gozer as the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, um, everybody's covered in marshmallow. Except, except for, for Peter. Abandoned. He's yeah. got a little bit, but yeah. you can tell he went and hid. He found yeah. a good place to hid, whereas the others kind of just got covered with marshmallow and well, everything. And, and I think, again, you know, he's kind of like that character. He's the cool nerd. You know what I mean? Where the other guys are just nerds. He recognized- like cool, cool nerd where he- he doesn't get always get egg on his face like the other two. Yeah, you know, now being, literally in that in that way. When he was a professor, it was creepy because then he was using his yeah. stature and his his right. his uh, smarts and where he was at in life to uh, impression upon uh, impressionable girls and everything like that. So, but he also did it with his friends too. He, yeah, he was able to be you know that way yeah. with his friends to get them to do what he wants. Right. But like at the beginning of the movie it was a little bit creepy. And so I'm yeah. glad that he was fired and then yeah. he was able to go out into the real world, you know, with women his own age. Yeah. Like Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. But I mean that's another thing. Because then like, he'd end up being like on a show like uh, How to Catch a Predator or something like right, that. You right, know, if, right. If the Ghostbuster didn't think Like, think where are you? are a professor at Columbia <laughs> University, right? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, but yeah, I, I just think that he, uh, I just think that he, that's just who he is. But by the end of this movie, you know, he didn't even want to cross the streams because, you know, they get in there, uh, Gozer disappears, and then they hear the voice saying, you know, um, what does it say? It says something like choose. Oh, it says choose, you know, choose yeah. the form. Yeah. And Venkman's the first one to think of it. You know, now he's thinking. Now he's worried about Dana. He, because he saw her turn into a dog and everything. But, um, you well, know, he's thinking about his reputation. Yeah. He's thinking about Dana. He's thinking about his friends. Yeah. <laughs> Those are what's important to him. But he wasn't willing to, like, really get into it because they said, you know, uh, uh, once they, they conjured up the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, which is an awesome moment. But I kind of wanted to know what those other two characters that that, that uh, Gozer turned into. Because remember, he was saying that he turned into Rick Moranis's character was saying it, you know, and he was saying, you know, it, oh, when he, he just made up words, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like, I was like, I wonder if they're like cool little monsters or something. Like, like that, when he's you know? like when he turned into a blurb, yeah, and yeah, or different things like, like that. that. And you're just like, what the hell is that? But it could have been like it was so long ago they just had different words, yeah, for or, things or, I mean, or whatever. It's obviously out of Dan Aykroyd's mind, so uh, I'm right, kind of right. wondering they completely if, like, made it up. But if, if if watch, we say that and then we go look back up. No, these are, these are no, I saw that. I'm like, you could tell that they were just making up words. What did you say your name was? Vince Clortho, Keymaster of Gozer. According to this, his name's Lewis Tully. Lives on Central Park West. Vince, you said before you were waiting for a sign. What sign are you waiting for? Gozer the Traveler. He will come in one of the pre-chosen forms. During the rectification of the Valdrani, the Traveler came as a large and moving torb. Then, during the third reconciliation of the last of the McKetrick supplicants, they chose a new form for him, that of a giant slore. Many shubs and zools knew what it was to be roasted in the depths of the floor that day, I can tell you. But to my point, it was uh, it was Egon who said, you know, what, what are we going to do? He's like, I have an idea, but you're not going to like it. He's like, I think we should cross the streams. 
And you know Dan Aykroyd's like cross the streams, and Bill yeah. and Bill Murray or Venkman's like, you said that we should never do that. He's like, you're going to put our client in danger. You know the nice woman who paid us in advance. You know that became a dog or whatever. Yeah. Um, but that was his point was if we do that, it could hurt her. He's yeah. like, you're going to put her in danger. Yeah. He goes, look, it may not happen. It it it, it may kill us all. But it's our only shot that we have now. Yeah. And that's when Vink was like, I like this plan. You yeah. know, it's, it's all he had. But he was willing to do it knowing that there was a chance that they could save her and they could all still come out of it alive. Yeah, because, I mean, the thing was is is that they did try to shoot Gozer or whatever, the human form of Gozer. So it's, it's just a shapeshifter. But yeah. it has it went, when Gozer's ready to start destructing, because it's Gozer the Destructor, Gozer the Gozerian, um, it has to it has to have a form which its victims have to choose. Okay. So um, you know, and previous ones, that's what uh, Lewis was saying. You know, Vince Clortho was saying about all the f- previous forms it took. Well, in this day and age, it took the form of the Stay Puft. Ma- uh, Gozer was became the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man because that's what Ray thought of. Yeah, and I don't know why it was Ray above all the others that are down there on the streets or whatever. I guess he, the Close, gozer was talking per proximity yeah, like, or something. Like who decides? Like like whoever's at the gate. Hey, you're a human. Decide something. Okay, that's what I'm going to be. You know, I, I don't know how that works. Okay. Maybe that's a Rachel. On the moment. Fly. That's the closest yeah. to a Rachel moment. Is Here's a on the to. fly top five ideas. Mm-hmm. What do you think would be coming to your mind? What would be the best idea? I'm going to think about that. Let me get through these okay. last ones because I'm going to have to think about that. Yeah. Um, what I thought was great uh, was that by the end they all have their you know they have their commands you know they 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 all have their roles right whereas before peter really didn't want to do it you know they were in the hotel he was about making the money but he was kind of just wandering around you know just real lazy about it not yeah. wanting to do it they come up that they you know peter's calling the play Got your stick show this prehistoric how we do things downtown so it shows why he's the leader because he's charismatic and confident yeah and you know when the giant marshmallow man shows up it's the two scientists that lose their minds yeah you know yeah. ray checks out basically well, because what, and what egon says i'm too scared to even think right yeah now. that that's i think that was a very important thing where when egon said that he mm-hmm. said that it was beyond his comprehension you know, he, he can't think beyond his comprehension, you know, that he couldn't understand yeah. what he was seeing. And he's too scared to move. And, and Venkman even said about Ray, he's like, he's checked out. He's gone yeah. bye-bye. It's because they didn't know that, you know, their their logical minds couldn't comprehend that this is something beside beyond science. Whereas Venkman, you know? who's not really a scientist, yeah. you know, yeah. he's a scientist. He did enough to get the doctorate or whatever, but not really. He's seeing this as, okay, well, this is just like everything else we've seen yeah. that I didn't believe in yeah, before. Exactly. Whereas these other guys, they've always believved in it and they've seen the little ghost here and there. Now they're seeing a, you know, ginormous 200 foot yeah. uh, marshmallow man yeah. or however big it is. So um, <clears throat> I thought it was interesting that, you know, Peter's all full of confidence. He cares about what he's doing now and not just being the face or taking credit as the hero. You know, they're all in a line. He's given the commands. You know, the giant marshmallow man shows up and the two scientists lose their mind. And it's uh, Venkman and Zedemore who are just like, okay, <laughs> you know, just taking it in. Um, and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I just I just love that stuff. Uh, Do you and, think that that monster was kind of like a crutch, you know, in a way? I mean, that was that monster was very easily beaten. 
I mean, they just basically oh. took a flame to it. Well, like I said, they're not heroes. Yeah. So they, they, they if they had done some kind of heroic thing where it took a, a, a great feat to yeah. beat this thing, yeah. it wouldn't match the rest of the movie because that's not who these guys are. These yeah. guys are, you know, roach exterminators. Yeah. That's basically all they are. Yeah. And so you had to have it be somewhat simple. And, of course, we bring back what you said earlier in the foreshadowing when he said, let's cross the streams. Yeah. So as they, they get together, you know, they stand next. He stands next to Ray, these t- who I believe are the two main male leads, you know, Ray and, and uh, Peter. And, you know, he's like, I'll see you on the other side, Ray. You know, nice working with you, Dr. Venkman. They cross their streams. And then Zedemore and Egon add theirs. And then, you know, of course, it's a big explosion. Yeah. Peter does the best job at hiding, <laughs> as usual. <laughs> Doesn't get a bunch of marshmallow. And he's depressed. And you know, you could see. Until like, he sees that she's alive. Yeah, but see, you couldn't see their faces when they're walking. And, and Venkman gets in front of him, and he's walking ahead of him. Mm-hmm. And then the other three, and you could see Dan Aykroyd kind of, like, you could see that. You couldn't see his face because you couldn't see the front of him. You could only see him from the back. And it uh-huh. looked like he was just kind of tilting his head, looking at Venkman, like, how did that happen? You know, I mean, just the the way he tilted his head, looking up and down at Venkman, the you know, and same thing at with Egon, right, right when um, they come out of the area and you see you see Venkman, he's he's totally clean, you know, except for oh the yeah bit yeah yeah yeah. So he walks ahead of them and they're walking behind him to go to face you know the yeah they're like the oh are you stream. okay Spangler, Venkman, ah, Spangler. Oh, Spengler. Oh, are you okay? I feel like the floor of the taxi cab. Thank you. Yeah, all right. Oh, thank God. <laughs> oh, you okay? I'm all right. You all right? I'm all right. You all right? Yeah. You okay? Fine. And then they ask Peter, he's like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, and then he, <laughs> but he walks in front of me, and you could see Dan Aykroyd kind of... He's like, his character looking him up and how does this happen? <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. He's the guy that will be like, yeah, let's do it. And then kind of just yeah. slightly just yeah. push somebody ahead yeah. of him to go do it. You know, and they and even the like when they, they don't even notice it. The other characters don't notice that right, he's doing when, that. When they had gone up all the stairs and come into Dana's apartment, they found that other, they're like, more stairs. And he's like, let's go. And he starts marching and then he stops and he's like, why don't you guys go first? He's like, come on, come on, let's go, let's go. And he gets behind, he lets everybody else yeah. go first. So yeah. that's just who he is yeah. and everything. But. You know, he gets Dana out of the little dog uh, statue thing, and she's like, oh, hi. You know, she's uh, charmed to see him there and everything. What the hell happened? And, uh, you know, then we get the good, you know, going downstairs scene, and the the music breaks in, and you get to see everybody. Poor uh, Lewis, he wanted to go with them in the car, but the ambulance got, no, you got to come with you. But I wasn't going to go in the car. He's like, hey. Does anybody want to interview yeah. me? And right then and there, you know he's going to be in the second one. And yeah. He's going to be another side character, but he's going to be pretty much doing what exactly he's doing in the second one. Yeah. You know, following around like a little puppy. Yeah. Yep. And I got some things to say about Janine in the second one, too, yeah. as well. But um, but that's how we end our movies. Our movie, nothing crazy for the finale. There's yeah. a spectacle. There's a big marshmallow man, and yeah. them shooting it, and it's melting everywhere. Obviously, you know, most people that know about movies probably know marshmallow stuff was uh, shaving cream. Obviously. Um, yeah. And uh, it even looks like shaving cream. It really does. I remember when I was younger, I was like, that looks like nothing like marshmallow. No, because it, it would be way too sticky and everything. It would be but awesome, though, but it would be. <laughs> I know, I'd be licking my arm. And I would. Stuff. I'd be looking like weird for like But everybody would be doing it, too. So yeah. <laughs> it would be too I'd take a piece of chocolate and just kind of like scoop up some of the marshmallow and eat it. Yeah. Or, or, you could, or you could come up, bring the demon back, or bring the, the thing to back. <laughs> 
<laughs> bring Gozer back. Can we yeah. bring Gozer back? Yes, bring him back. Then make a a graham cracker man. Okay. <laughs> Destroy him. Bring Do- Gozer back again and make a chocolate man and then you could have s'mores. <laughs> what do you think was the reason that he chose a marshmallow man instead of like I don't know, something something in- innocuous. I, I guess I, I it feel, had to be funny. I feel like maybe it was probably supposed to be and I seem to remember hearing something. Because it was a lot this. like the Michelin Man. That's what I was about to say. I think that's what it was supposed to be. A cross between the Michelin Man, the Jolly Green Giant, that type of thing. But it had yeah. to be kind of like a not too scary because this yeah. is a family movie exactly. for kids and everything. The so, sailor. Yeah, it was I, like a cross between the Michelin Man and Cracker Jack Boy. Yeah, but when the when, when the <laughs> Cracker Jack Boy when the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man looked mean though he looked really mean. He did. I remember that used to you see him me. real pissed off. But when I was younger, none, none of this really scared me. I I think I was more scared by elements in the second one than I was the first. No, one. no, I, yeah, absolutely. The painting alone, you yeah, know. But the but, library but, thing never scared me. The the fridge thing in Dana's apartment. The dog chasing Rick Moranis is a, a little, little freaky. Bit. It was a, a little bit. Yeah, I remember going like, yeah, that was. That would suck, especially when he's pinned against the <laughs> window. He's away. like, somebody let me in, and nobody cares about him. Good that's, old New York. That, that's classism. <laughs> that is so classism. Yeah, you need to stop with your classism. <laughs> but it's it's. It, I think maybe the one that maybe got me the most was her, the, all the arms coming out of the chair, and then her yeah. being pulled into the bathroom. That was a genuinely terrifying part. Like not to today's standards, it's probably nothing. Yeah. But back then, you know, and as you know, five or six or ten year, whatever, however old we were, that was a pretty impressionable part. Oh, absolutely. It's a great movie. It's it's Phenomenal. timeless. Like 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 yeah, you can tell that it's in yeah. a certain year. You can tell yeah. it's the eighties. You can tell it's an older movie and everything. But there's no there's no themes that were important to that day. The only thing that's really important to the day, besides like the aesthetic, is like the music. Yeah. But even nowadays, you know, you have a lot of eighty theme eighties theme music, so it kind of works or whatever. Yeah. But it's one of those timeless movies because it doesn't have kind of outdated views on this, this or that. You know, it's pseudoscience, yeah. which hasn't changed much yeah. since then. Science has. Yeah. Science has gained more knowledge, so yeah. it's changed and everything. But pseudoscience really hasn't. So it's kind of like one of these everlasting type of of concepts and stories. And I am so excited to get into it next week. Oh, I can't wait until the new one. I, I've been looking. This is one of those movies that I've actually been looking forward to for a long time. To you know, ever since I heard it was coming out, I was like, yes. And it, you know, I get into this, you know, like, and I like the, that they're making kids Ghostbusters. Yeah. yeah. But you know, you know, I. I I said a little while back, you know, our last movie, it was just like, you know, it wasn't, it didn't really get any better. This one just got better every time I watched Wait, it. Wait, which yeah. last one? Because viewers or listeners may not know that we did The Frighteners last week. Oh, yeah. And we didn't release it for certain that. reasons and everything. But were you talking about that or another? Yeah, one? no, Frighteners. Okay. You know, I, I just, it's, it, it wasn't, wasn't worse. It didn't get worse. You know, The Frighteners didn't get worse. It just didn't get any better where this one was definitely one of those films that got better the second time or, or the 15th time around. Yeah, and it was it. fun. Yeah. You know? And I love Ghostbusters, and it's a timely cas- classic that I'll watch probably until... Timeless. Yeah, timeless. Timely, and, timeless. And, yeah, and I'll probably watch it until I'm old and gray. Yeah. So, so for the listeners, to uh, just so you guys know, um, obviously this is the ninth today when this is being released. And um, next week we will be doing uh, Ghostbusters 2. Um, the original Ghostbusters 2, uh, the 1989 one, took five years to get a sequel. Uh, but we're going to do that one next week. And at the end of next week is when uh, Afterlife comes on. 
So me and uh, Drew are going to watch it that weekend. Yep. If we decide we like it, we'll do an episode on it. We'll talk about it. It'll probably be real brief. More analytics to come as you watch it more often and kind of get a good sense of it. But we'll probably give an initial reaction, maybe like a 30-minute to an hour type of episode yeah. for that. So well, we haven't done we haven't done a new movie in a long time. It's been a while. It's been a while. We know what we like and we know yeah. our our niches and everything. So, yep. uh, but yeah, we're gonna start doing new, more uh, newer movies as well. So uh, get ready for that. But uh, if you guys want to get a hold of us, we're on all social media at the uh, the Post Credit Podcast, except for Twitter. We're at the Post Credit. Our email address is the Post Credit Podcast at gmail.com. We have a website. It's www.thepostcreditpodcast.com, and we're on YouTube. We appreciate you guys listening and we'll see you next time and i ain't afraid of no ghosts There's something strange in the neighborhood who you gonna call There's something weird and it don't look good who you gonna call Thank you.